Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the special edition, the special edition of the Talk with Micah and Friends. This will be the show that will be centered around the reigning rulers of the universe, Mr. Cameron Black and Ms. Giselle Barbie Royale. Now, let me give you a little disclaimer. This is a chit-chat with the rulers. It's very open, honest, and candid, but definitely respectful, of course. Okay? So I really hope that you guys enjoy the show. Now, just to give you a little tidbit, we've had some technical difficulties in regards to the recording of this particular episode. Not too many, just a few, um, or just one or two, hey, you know, whatever. But... um, you're going to miss the very first part of the actual um, uh, show, and it was basically my welcoming them. I welcomed them to the talk with Mike and friends, and, you know, I basically said, you know, today is promised. I have with me the current rulers of the universe, Mr. Cameron Black and Ms. Giselle Barbie Royale. And basically I got right into it. I congratulated them on winning Mr. and Ms. Black Universe 2013-2014. And the very first question that was asked was to towards Giselle, And the question was, Giselle, we will start with you, ladies first. Tell us a little bit about Giselle and how she transitioned into the art form of female impersonation and became Giselle Barbie Royale. And she basically, the little part that was cut off was she basically described the fact that, you know, she, of course, was, you know, her male counterpart who she was born as and then she went into how Giselle transitioned and she said her very first show was when she well her very first time seeing a show was when she was at the age of 16 and at that point she knew that that was something that she wanted to do and that she thought that you know she had the ability to do and then right there is when the um the podcast show uh picks up so Minus that little tidbit, it's a very informative, very um, open and honest interview. And again, it's a chit-chat with the rulers, okay? And of course, we will revisit them later on throughout their reign to see, you know, if their feelings have changed um, for the better or for the worse, okay? But here we are with the chat with the rulers. Hello, hello. And Cameron? <laughs> okay, well, for me, um, 
I'm Antonio, as most of y'all know. Well, most people don't know, but now they do. Um, I'm Antonio. Um, I think I first got my start when I went to Ebony Newcomer with my mm. first um, gay mother, I guess you would say, which was Alexis Cassidy, rest in peace. Mm-hmm. And that's the first time I ever saw a pageant. You know, I didn't know what it was. I didn't know I was going to. She just asked me to go. Mm-hmm. And so I went. Um, this was after I had, I was like on, at home on leave from like just coming, graduating from boot camp. Now, okay. mind you, it was Ebony Newcomer. I didn't know what was big, what it was. So I was at the pageant and flip-flops, a T-shirt, and a tank, and all that stuff. But anyway, I remember looking at the boys. I watched a little bit of the pageant because I really wasn't into it. And I just remember saying, oh, I can do that. And then mm-hmm. that was just that. <laughs> but mm-hmm. when I went to um, fight in the war in Iraq, I, you know, I had a couple of close calls with death or whatnot. And after I made it back, I promised myself that I would do everything that I wanted to do. So I kind of made okay. a bucket list of things, and doing the pageant was on it. So while I was in Iraq, um, Iraq I actually met um, Savion Simpson Black, who was my first pageant daddy. Rest in peace to him also. Um he basically put me in my first pageant, him along with Freddie Cassidy, and my first pageant was the Elegance Newcomer in Memphis. And I didn't have anything. They just put me in these clothes, and they was like, what can you do for talent? I was like, oh, I can dance. And I did the pageant. I got first one up. I lost to Nicobe Dickerson by like a point. Mm. And so then I was like, okay, that was kind of fun. I'm going to do it again, but I got to win. <laughs> right. And so that's when um, I went down, me and three other friends, I went down to compete for Sweetheart Newcomer. Now, mind you, I didn't know anybody still. So the only people I knew were the people who I came with. Mm-hmm. I didn't know who was the big boys at the time, which was like Azario, Makai, Khalil, BJ from Florida. Um, uh-huh. All of them. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, All of them. Uh-huh. And I was just like, okay, I'm doing the past. As a matter of fact, I, I was so naive that when I first saw Aja, I went up to her and I thought she was Miss Georgia. Mm. <laughs> and so I didn't know no better. But I ended yeah. up winning the pageant. And it, from there, it was kind of like an overnight thing, and that's what got me in it. And now here's Cameron Black, Mr. Black Universe. And that you are. Now, I believe that we all have people who inspire us, whether it's in this particular industry or from just personal past experiences. So, Cameron and Giselle, who inspires you on and off the stage and why? Nobody wants Giselle? You can talk. Hello? Go, Cam. I was on mute. I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Oh, that's okay. Go ahead, Cam. You can go first. Okay, I'll start it off then. Um, I would definitely have to say the person who inspires Antonio are my nieces and my nephew. Like, they, they mean the world to me. And everything I do off stage is because of them. I want them to just have a better future than what I did or a better upcoming than what I did. Not saying it's going to be easy, but I don't want them to have to work as hard, and I want to get them kind of a foot in the door. So they really are my inspiration as far as doing all of the, the education, the grad school, the law school, so forth. Um, they're my inspiration behind that. As far as me, Cameron, um, the people who inspire me that make me are like my mom, Natasha Braxton, of course. I love the way that she is nothing like what people think she is or would think or nothing like the people would think she is, you know. Mm-hmm. She's a completely different person. Like, she doesn't let Natasha Braxton define who she really is, and she keeps those lives completely separate, and I admire that because she's a great person, and she raised me to be who I am as far as being a man, actually. Like, my biological mom brought me up or whatever, but 
Natasha, she was the person who knocked some of that wet behind the ears off me. You know, she yeah. made me wipe off the sensitive skin, and she made me not be so naive. She kind of raised me, and I, okay. I love that, and I appreciate it. Um, the people who also inspired me are my, my fathers, um, Kobe Kowalski and Antron, which many of you probably know as Punkin. They both lead very professional lives, and they always encourage me to never lose sight of what I'm doing off the stage also. They always keep me grounded and make sure that I keep a balanced life. So I really I really love that about them. And as far as pageants specifically in competing, I was inspired by Tommy Ross. Mm. And that was because when I was Mr. Sweetheart newcomer, Tommy competed for Miss Sweetheart. Mm-hmm. She came down there with the bus load and the perfect talent and the way she conducted her, herself and handled her business. Like, that was my first time ever seeing her. I mm-hmm. was kind of wet behind the ears. So I didn't know she was Tommy Ross, quote, unquote. Right. right. So, like, I was like, this woman got it together. She is legit. And mm-hmm. ever since then, I kind of modeled myself after after her by getting ready for my pageants a certain way. And, like, one of my rituals, rituals to get myself in pageant mode is I always watch her talent from um, from when she did Sweetheart because it was like a production. Right. And since then, I was like, this is how it's supposed to be. So that's one of my rituals. But that's it. Okay. All right. And Giselle? Well, for me, there's a lot of different inspiration that becomes comes behind Giselle. Um, and I, I could go on and on. But... If I had to name names, I'm not going to go into why, but with all of them, but like I said, Aja, Paris France, um, my mother, Nikki Diamond Simone, and number one, my, my birth mother, because mm. it's a long story with her, but she's like my, my best friend. Okay. And um, Rick Finn, he's been there, and I have sat on the phone with this man night and day. This man has been there for the good and the bad. He's been there when I had a toothache and needed to go to the dentist and, you know, things that that doesn't even matter when it comes to the on-stage thing. Right. He's been there for everything. He's been there. He tells me when I'm wrong, when I'm right, when I'm good, when I'm bad. And um, he's really like um, my granddad for real. Like he's like my... If, when, I, when I feel like papers, when I feel like papers and stuff, and mm-hmm. they ask for references or your father, right. I write his name down. You know, really. Okay. And um, and my father Gerard, you know, he instilled in me a lot. Like he taught me how to go out there and spend money, not mm-hmm. to take the cheap route out right. of things. He took me because when when I met him, I was still going and getting my things out of Dillard's and J.C. Penney's, which that worked. It worked right. for me. But he, he helped take me to that next level of getting Gustavo's and the Leonardo's and, 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 and all of those different designers. He brought me up to that level. And once I got to that level, I knew I could do, I couldn't go any less whether he was there or not. Right. And there's so many other different lessons that, that he taught me. Um, uh, the lady Marissa, one because she was the first person to actually give me a chance. I didn't. Okay. I, I started off doing the talent shows. I would do the talent show every week. Wow. There was 
Now, there was there was a time there was not a time that myself and Fantasia was not at the talent show. <laughs> if it was on a Wednesday night, Tuesday night, we every every talent show that was during the week, we were there, and we would win them most times. We would always, you know, we would win them. So it was almost like being booked. <laughs> 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 we, yeah. But we, but we, that's what we did, and it made us better and better. But Marissa actually put me on the show. Okay. Like I was on the show roster, not doing the talent show. Mm-hmm. And one time I I did I did a Marie one thing, and she just went just berserk afterwards. And when she, from her from her reaction, it just made me say, okay, I can do this. I can. So she was the first person to really take me serious enough to actually put me on the show. Okay. And um and. Oh my gosh! So many. It's so the many list goes on. To, it, it 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 does. It goes on. I have so many people that so many people that inspired me, and so it's ridiculous. It's a long list. Some people that you may not even know, mm-hmm. but they inspired me and they helped bring me and push me to be the person that I am. And I think it's great for us to be able to pull um, pull inspiration from different people, you know, because, you know, they make us who they, you know, who we are today. So I definitely get that because um, sometimes you can't just pinpoint one or two people who can inspire you. It can be a plethora of people. And Cameron, um, for you, well, you are you are the same who inspired you, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I'm, see, I'm so used to Giselle being the first one. I'm sorry. Ladies first. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we're going to go on to the section to the, or to the next question. Uh, just real quick, tell us two interesting things that most people don't know about you. If you only if you only have one, that's fine. But you know, if you can give us one, well, um, well, one um, one thing people may not know about me, or some may know because I I play around on Tales from the Dressing Room, which is a um, a weekly thing we do at my job, which is the Parliament House. We do a little video blog and put it on YouTube. Sometimes we play around singing, but I I sing, mm-hmm. and that's how I began entertaining. Okay. And I believe from from being a singer, it inspired me to want to do drag when I saw it for the first time. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't even have to sing for her. I can just lip sing to my favorite artist and dress up like them. That's what right. drag was for me at first. Because okay. Alexis, Alexis came out dressed like Janet Jackson, and she had on everything that Janet Jackson had on from the video. And I was like, oh, my God, I can can do that. I want to do that. So, um, you know, singing is something that I do know how to do. I don't really exercise it as much. Uh, And, Sarah, what about you? We're going to let her make it with that one. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, I think, let me see, something most people will know about me, but you probably would. Is that I'm an old man at heart. Like I like to sit at home and in quiet peace, not be bothered really. I don't do too much, and I think it's a totally different thing from where I get off. Give off. So most people who get to know me, they be like, "You're old man," and I, I claim that like I like the blues. I like to just sit and watch CNN or the Sports Channel. You know, that's me. Um, another thing uh, is that. I have a day named after me in District Heights, Maryland, Antonio Cambre Day for my leadership abilities, and I got a mayoral proclamation 
while I was um, the first vice president for the state of Alabama for the NAACP. And I got that honor. Um, I think that's something most people don't know. Okay. <laughs> and then technically, District Heights, Maryland is where I reside. That's my address at District Heights, Maryland. So, yes, you do have your own day. And could you tell people what day that is? That day is August the 4th, which is also my birthday. <laughs> okay. All right. Now, Giselle, uh, we had a conversation on our last podcast show regarding bringing drag back to the forefront of pageantry, and your name came up and you were praised for doing just that, bringing it back to the forefront. What are your true feelings on the true art of drag being a missing component in today's industry? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, well, first of all, thank you for to whomever, you know, Danny Lord said that. Danny Lord did. Oh, well, well, thank you, Danny Lord. Um, I think what I'm I'm doing is what I saw. And I've heard someone say, you lead by example. And I took what the veteran girls gave me. Their examples, I took it. And I'm basically really kind of recycling what they've done but putting my own little twist on it. Okay. And a lot of them a lot of the things that I took from them is having stage presence, knowing how to do your makeup, knowing how to do your hair, having beautiful garments, you know, really getting into what it's all about. It's all about the illusion. It's all about entertaining people. It's all about attracting a crowd, whether it be the LGBT community, whether it be the heterosexual community. Your job is to captivate, is to draw in the audience, is to make a person say, wow. You're supposed to make a person want to give you their dollar, if it's, even if it's their last dollar. You're supposed to entertain them to the point where they say, you know what, i got to catch the bus tomorrow, but, hey, I'm going to have to walk. Because you to stop. Okay. You know, it's, it's supposed to be like that. And, and, and I think if everybody had that mentality to just really strive to be the best and try to really be polished and entertaining, that missing component wouldn't, wouldn't be there anymore. And um, I also think one of the reasons why it's missing is because you have this two different type types of drag now. You have mm. the mainstream drag, stream drag, which is RuPaul's Drag Race, mm-hmm. and that show it basically shines a light on a different type of drag. Now we do have some of our very own that have came up in the pageantry world. And we can understand them. Right. And we can understand what they represent. Being that I work in an environment where I I work at a show bar, so I'm booked with a lot of these entertainers. I'm, I've worked with probably the last three or four seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race, the top five mainly of each season. I get to see what the girls are truly like. I get to see what their entertainment value is truly like. And mm-hmm. there are very few. There are very few that that hold the key to having a long career or having longevity. Some of them are just for that moment. And 
it kind of bothers me when I see entertainers that have been doing this for 10, 20 years have to break their necks to get a $150 booking when you have these people that are just put on the show and they can't even hold a candle really to these other entertainers and they're getting paid a thousand dollars. And I feel like I feel like I feel like that show is a wonderful it's it's a wonderful display to the world to show them half of the picture. Right. And they're only they're only they're only getting to see half of it. And it's very I, I, I feel like they discriminate because me myself I I'm, I couldn't go on RuPaul's Drag Race because I have breasts, mm-hmm. but there are some contestants that have been on that show that have gotten very far that probably have more work than me. Yeah, facial work, body work, <laughs> well, everything, everything. Mm-hmm. I, I can tell you they have they have work everywhere I have it, mm-hmm. but because but because they may wear it a certain way in the daytime, they're considered to be eligible for, you know, the show. But mm-hmm. I think that they we we need to be able to be displayed on mainstream television as well and be able to compete with those girls as well because um, whether people realize it or not, there are people out there that have altered their bodies for this art form. There yeah. are individuals out there that have breasts and have body work because they're so passionate about the art form, because they want it to look a certain way, or because they wanted to compete on certain levels and they felt like they had to have this or that too. In order to win. Excel mm-hmm. to excel on those on those pageants. Because, mm-hmm. you know, years ago there was no lace fronts. There was no breastplate and and things like that. Nowadays you have all of these different things where you can get a full illusion. You can like you can really make someone think that you live every day as a woman. Mhm. And um and, and, and uh, unfortunately back then that we didn't have those different things. Now me personally, you know, I, I this is something that I knew I wanted to do. I didn't do it for the stage. I didn't because I'm not going to always be on the stage. But right. um Yeah, that's the that's the missing that's the missing component. One of those are a lot of the missing components. People finding true entertainment and hard work. It doesn't come overnight. And it's not just a quick fix type of thing. It's something that you got to really shed some blood and tears to really taste the the sweet. Right. So I okay. think that's like you know that's what's missing. And I I could I could I couldn't agree with you more. So um and I'm sure a lot of of the girls and, and people that have the passion for drag can definitely relate and understand where you're coming from. So thank you for that. Cameron, um, are you still here, sir? Are you still with us? <laughs> I'm still here. Okay, Cameron, I would say, uh, I would say between 50 to 60% of the spectators uh, will say that male drag or male entertainment is boring and should end. Um, what do you think, uh, or excuse me, why do you think male entertainers or competitors get the backlash that they do? And what do you feel needs to change in order to turn that stereotype or the feeling regarding male pageantry around? <laughs> That's a harsh reality, huh? Um, yes, it is. In, no. 
Do I think it should end? No, definitely okay. not. Um, I think we get that backlash is because, for, for number one, I think it's a double standard. Mm-hmm. They place us in this box that we can't seem to escape. And anytime certain people or majority of us outside of probably a couple people step outside that box, then it's considered, considered too much. Mm-hmm. And they place limitations on the male entertainer, but then say we don't produce. Now, I know with me, I try to entertain, I try to put on a show, I try to give you something different as far as being a pageant guy and a competitor because mm-hmm. that's me, but not. I don't feel like everybody has found that balance and know how to operate within the box that there is. And I think in order for us to do better, first of all, we have to produce better and want to do better, like do our parts on stage and off stage and shows, try to make it a little bit more entertaining. Me, myself, I know that I'm not a showboy, but in pageants I know I like to cut up a little bit, you know. Right. But then you have those like the Montes, the Valentinos, who are very extravagant and take it to another level too. But on both sides of the fence, we get criticized still. Maybe right. I get criticized for not being that showboy, and then maybe they get criticized for being too much or being mm-hmm. too feminine. Mm-hmm. And I think the only way that we can escape it is that everybody stop placing those limitations on us. If you let us do what we want to do, then maybe you can be entertained the way that you want to do. But there are certain expectations that everybody have, and it's kind of hard to work around those things. And I don't, really, I don't necessarily think it's fair to male entertainers sometimes. And I think, um, piggybacking, I just think that, um, I just had it on top of killing my tongue. I think, I think that it's ever evolving, as we as we talked about in the last podcast show. It's ever evolving, as, and just the same as drag is ever evolving as far as female impersonation. Two thousand drag is not the same as twenty thirteen drag. When male com- competition started, they wanted that debonair man, that traditional man. He looked like a man. He may have been gay. It's kind of, almost kind of like that executive realness thing in the in the in, in the uh, ballroom scene. You wanted you wanted this guy to portray a certain type of guy, but now that has become a little bit boring. So now allow the males to be who they are, because not every guy that maybe have a little that maybe a little feminine or whatever wants to be a drag queen or wants to do a show as a girl. You know, so I think that people should kind of, you know, embrace that change because it's 2014 now, you know, so embrace it. it, And it goes back to what you said. Let us be the type of entertainer that we choose. Because even if we are that normal, traditional, debonair, uh, masculine guy. Giselle. Has left the conference. We still have quality of entertainment. Like, say, for instance, my talent at Universe, or most Mm -hmm. of my I try to make them into very big productions, but even though I'm not the extravagant type of guy, I still mm-hmm. try to put on a really great show, keeping it in my terms of what I think a male entertainer is. You're right. Okay. You have like, people like Valentino. He will take you to that next level of almost male drag. And then it's like you have to respect us instead of judging on, well, this is not what that's supposed to be, and you should do this and do that, instead of just respecting us for the art that we're presenting to you. You get what I'm saying? I totally Totally. That would put us on an even playing field with the girls. And with girls, you just have more to look at, period. It's a transformation that takes place. They can dibble and dabble, make anything look good. They can make a garbage bag look good. But if we put on a right. garbage bag, we're going like we have on a garbage bag, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just saying. 
No, you, you, I mean, I, I totally understand. And for those, you may have heard a little something. You know, we, we have technical difficulties around here. We're not perfect. So it looks like Je- Giselle may have been off of the line, but I'm sure she'll come back on and we'll pick back up with her. Um, so, Tamara, I'll go ahead and go with the second question, and by that time, uh, Giselle should be back on. Um, even though uh, you are not necessarily a mainstream celebrity, uh, you are deemed celebrities in the LGBT community. What do you feel is the challenge or the negative aspect of being an industry celeb? And what's the positive? Okay, that's a, that's a good question. I'll start with the negative. Um, I feel like the negative is the fact that there is so much negativity in the industry. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, it's like we can't really just full, 100% support each other like we should. You know, everybody is doing the same thing. Some people have the same goals, the same aspirations, and I don't understand why there's so much negativity. It's like we're constantly trying to find something to pick each other apart about, and that's what I don't like. It's a crab-in-a-bucket mentality mentality at times, and I can't blame that on just our culture because that can be sometimes our race as a whole. You know, we can sometimes just pick pick each other apart for no reason. Right, most You know, and we can take the fun out of the craft. You get what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? But the positive side is that we all have a voice. When you get to the status of being a notable celebrity in this industry, you have a voice. But you have to choose what to do with Giselle has arrived. Oh, Giselle, hold on. Giselle, you're back? Y'all, hey. I, okay. I, That's fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I can finish the I can finish the interview, but while while we were talking, uh, my boss called me and surprisingly she just called me into work to work Latin night. Okay. But Well I'm yeah, we all work Latin night. We only, uh, I mean, Giselle, I mean, whatever. I mean, we have a lot of interviews. You already know that. So we only really have no, two I questions. No, I can keep going. I can. Okay. Okay. I'm getting ready at the same time. Not a problem, baby. You're a professional. You got to do what you got to do. But go ahead, Cameron. Cameron was finishing up the question in regards to the mainstream celebrities and, the, and the, you know, the challenges when it comes down to being a celebrity in the industry. And then once he finished, then you can go in. So go ahead, finish, Cameron. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay, like I was saying, the second part of that question is, like, the positive aspect is that we have a voice, and you can choose to use that voice effectively, which is why me personally, I choose to say a lot of what I have to say of my message and my talents because I do spoken word and I do them live, and I write all my own spoken words, which is why the first spoken word that I did, I wanted the audience to know a lot about me. So it was a poem called To Be, and I put a lot about my history, my mother, my father, things and that in there, mm-hmm. just so uh-huh. you can understand who I am a little bit better. At okay. Black America, I did a poem called Return to Glory, mm-hmm. and it was talking about our race, how we need to get back to and pay attention to where we're going. And that was, the, that was the message I wanted to project in that. And at Black Universe, I did a poem called Controversy, which spoke to the negativity, the myths, the stereotypes of who we are as pageant people. And it's like... I just believe in taking that voice once you get to this status and using it. Make sure you have something to say. Don't just live for the applause of being seen. When mm. the spotlight is truly on you and you have the audience attention and they're in complete silence, that's when you have the opportunity to speak. Don't just live to be seen and live for the glory of just being who you are. 
have something to say and use that voice. Okay. And, Giselle, what do you think is the, um, the negative and the positive of being an industry celebrity in this particular community? Giselle, I must have a phone. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, well, I'm actually bathing in the tub right now. <laughs> but the um, honestly, um, the pro, well, I'll say the con or The con is negative people. Um, whether you're a mainstream artist or whether you are on the level that we are, you're going to have people that's going to be negative. You're going to have people that's not going to like the way that you did your hair or your performance for that night or it's just going to always be something. But you have to learn how to, excuse me? <laughs> Keep going. Oh, you have to learn how to have um, tough skin. And that's one of the first things that um, Archie and Ron and, and, and Craig he asked me, they asked me when I won the pageant, they said, do you have tough skin because you're going to need it? Mm. And I didn't understand what they meant when they said that. But now I'm seeing, I'm beginning to understand because you are going to have people out there that's going to nitpick. And they, 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 if there's no such, people don't like to see too much good. That's right. When, when there's too much good, they have to find something to try to tear you down. Mm-hmm. And um, if you have tough skin, it'll just roll off, roll off your back like like water. But um, the pros of being a gay celebrity, so to speak, is the fact that you get a chance to really inspire people. Your voice can be heard in so many different ways because people are going to pay attention because of your status in the community. So, rather, I mean, whether it's something about a pageant or entertaining or whether it's about STD awareness, mm-hmm. you know, people would pay attention to what you're saying. And right. that's, that's an advantage. And one of, the, one of the things that I love to see is when I go places or I'm on Facebook or something and I have someone to hit me up and just or come to me and say, that I inspired them or they look up to me or something that I did made gave them the the unction or the or the that, that push to to do something or to make themselves better or to do something that they didn't think that they had the capability of doing. That's a plus for me. Okay. All right. So thank you guys for so much for the for the negative and the positive. I mean and with anything there's always gonna be um there's always going to be, um, be things that are negative. And in my very first podcast show, I said that, you know, this show would never, would never harp on the negative of things. But in the event that we ever had to address a negative thing, just remember that anything negative you can turn into a positive. So um, I think with anyone within their reign and anyone that's in the industry knows that, you know, there's always going to be negative daggers that are, um, that are thrown at you, but it is up to you to turn that around and make it positive. So thank you guys for that response. Um, uh, next one, uh, what advice would you give to those in the community who aspire to have a gay mother or a father, whether it's in the industry or just, you know, in the community or, just, you know, just period, a gay mother or gay father? Whoever would like to go first. Damn. Okay, I guess I'll go first. 
Yeah, let Cam go. Uh, I would, <laughs> okay, I would just say um, choose wisely. You know, when you are choosing these people to be your parental figures, make sure they're, they're people who you actually respect, who you give that authority to. Because too often do I see so many people with these mother-father figures that they're not dedicated to. They don't have any type of loyalty. They don't have any type of real connection outside of, I want you to be my gay mama because I feel like I need one. And that's mm-hmm. another thing. You don't need a gay parent. You know, mm-hmm. if you feel like you want to give somebody that authority, if you feel like you need that guidance, then choose wisely. Get to know these people. Make sure that they, their morals and their character is in line with what you believe in. Because right. when you get when you don't do that, then you get these people and you get into it down the line. You're pissed off at each other. You don't like each other no more, and it just becomes a big mess, you know. But choose wisely. That, that's basically what it boils down to. Choose these people who you invite into your life wisely. Because as you said before, Micah, you mm-hmm. can invite some people into your home, and then they can leave with a lot more than what they came with. And it doesn't necessarily mean something material, but it can be emotional, Spiritual, yeah. that type oh, of thing, yeah. and they can take all of that away from you. Most definitely. Right. Most definitely. Glad you're, glad you're listening, Cameron. Glad you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, just say, uh, what advice would you give to anyone that's aspiring or wanting to have a gay mother and gay father? I guess you, Hello, uh, you ready? Oh, yeah, go ahead. We here, girl. Go ahead and tell us about a gay mother gay father. <laughs> Well, um, I would say this. Don't choose, don't choose your gay parent because you live for them, how they, do, how they live for their shows, or mm-hmm. you live for them because they win pageants or anything like that. Get to know them as a person. I really don't care for people to just come to me and say, oh, will you be my gay mama? They don't even know who I am. You don't even know who I am. You don't, mm-hmm. know, you don't know who I am off stage. And the onstage Giselle Barber Royale that so many people may like or live for is not who Giselle Harvey is. Right. And you're gonna to have to you're gonna to have to deal with both of those people. And some people may be disappointed with who the onstage person is. So get to know that person, and you need to be able to learn from them. You don't need to be on the same level. You need to be. You need to have someone that can that you can grow from. You can get advice from. They can teach you. And um, for like for myself, I have different, I have three gay mothers and actually four, to tell you the truth, but they all came at different parts of my life. Mm, you okay. know, and they, and they all, they all serve a purpose and they still serve a purpose to this day. I have, I have Portia, her name is Portia Sumter on Facebook. Portia, okay. I have Nikki Diamond Simone, I have Sasha, I have Avantis Overkeen. Mm-hmm. And like I said, they all serve a purpose. I don't necessarily believe in having multiple parents, but in my case, I, I do. Okay. And I can learn something from each one of them. Each one of them have done something special in my life. They've inspired me. They've taken the time out to do something that has contributed to me being who I am, and I can still learn from them today. So when you're choosing your gay parent, make sure it's someone that you can learn from and you can get to know them. All right. Well, thank you so very much. And um, 
We just have two more, and we'll um, go, you know, go to our quote unquote break. Uh, but <laughs> but Giselle, uh, I'll um, give you yours, and then Cameron, and then we'll um, go to our break. Uh, Giselle, uh, as we all know, you live your day to day life as a transgendered woman. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, as we know, you um, live your life as a day to day as a transgendered woman, and you started off pretty early. What's your advice to young lady boys, quote unquote, out there? that are designed to make that transition? Well, one, if you're young, you're very lucky because um, I was fortunate enough to start at 17 where I was able to cut off a lot of male features or whatever different things that might happen to males. I was kind of able to cut it off. Mm. Um, so that would be a plus. If you if you if you are sixteen or seventeen and you know this is something that you want to do, begin hormone therapy. But mm. number one, number one, get your education. That's the number one thing because you don't want to have to, you know, work the streets or do all kind of different miscellaneous things to make a living for the rest of your life. Yeah. So get out there and get your education, and if you have to stay aboard for a couple of years while you're taking your hormones, do that because that's what I did. I didn't I didn't start dressing as a woman every day until I got to a point where I knew that I had something to rely on that I could stand on my own two feet. I didn't right. I didn't when I got my own place and got some type of establishment then. When I was in the comfort of my own home, because luckily I was able to transition while I was at home with my mom. But then after a while, I felt like it was time for me to go because I wanted to do certain things in the privacy of, I wanted to go through my transition in the privacy of my own house. Totally understand. Totally understand. And that's what I did. And um, get your education, take hormones, take hormones, that's a big key. Be slow to get silicone and fast to get hormones. That's my advice. Okay. And then, um, Cameron, uh, because Giselle touched on education, um, your question uh, is basically, you know, as we all know and well aware by now, you are a graduate of Alabama State University. You were in the military as well. And you have desires um, to to enter into the law school within the next year. Excuse me, within the next year. So what is your personal stance? on education or the lack thereof in our community as a whole? Okay. <laughs> Once again, I'm trying to figure out how to word this. Um, education is really, really, really big with me. And it's because mainly because I think that, and I'm not even just speaking in general. I mean, not speaking as far as this community, but blacks in general. We are in danger of falling back into this major, like, pit well of oppression that we climbed out of or halfway climbed out out of because we're not paying attention to the things that are going on around us. Mm-hmm. Pretty soon our country is going to become or fall back into that country of the haves versus the have-nots. Things mm-hmm. are going to become way more competitive, and we're letting this Social media, the the re, the reality TV, paint this false picture of what we're supposed to be doing with our lives. Because education is decreasing in America, especially for those who don't even want it to begin with. Mm. And I think it's something that we all need in order to compete in the future. 
the, the father on scandal, which I'm sure we all uh, we all watch. Yeah, we love our scandal, that we baby. have to. He said we have to, we have to work twice as hard to get half of what they have, and that mm-hmm. is something that is true. And to me, being an educator, being someone who believes in college, grad school, and all the way to law school, whatever, whatever. I feel that these are the only way that we're going to be able to fight these type of battles is with smarts, with, in, with intelligence, with education. We can't be ignorant to the fact that not every, not all of us are going to be able to bounce a basketball or throw a football. Not all of us is going to be able to be on the big screen making a fool of ourselves and look up and win a million dollars. We're going to have to become really competitive in the future. And we're not paying attention to that because, for one, we feel like we done got this black president and that we've arrived. But we haven't. Martin Luther King's dream is nowhere near accomplished because this man is in office. The way that we're going to know when we've arrived, when the dream is complete, is when a black man can run for office. And it is not considered out of the norm that he actually has a chance of winning. Right now it's still, oh, a black man finally made it. That's, That's not the dream. That's, That's not the, dream. the beginning of the dream, and we have to finish that, but the upcoming generation, I feel like we're lost in the spotlights right now. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. I can go on and on about this subject because, it's, you know, of course, it's dear to me. African-American studies is something that I try to teach in college and all that stuff, too. So I'm Yeah, so we'll have to make sure we have you on the political show as well. Right. <laughs> That'll be, <laughs> and, and look, and we'll let you lead that one because I'm going to sit here and just listen. To, to, to oh, I have a lot of theories and ideas oh, about that. Oh, I, oh, I know you do, baby. <laughs> but, no, education is very <laughs> important to, to everyone out there. Um, Giselle touched on it as well as yourself, Cameron. And, I, you know, I myself, I, I, I thrive myself on, you know, just having an education, having, you know, having something to fall back on, um, whether you're in the industry or not. Industry, most definitely, I think we talked about it um, before, just the fact that, you know, uh, when you when all, when the lights have gone down, you know, and, and there's no more stage and there's no more show and there's no more whatever, what do you have to fall back on? So it's very important to you right. guys, to everyone out there to be able to be able to fall back on something. And who's to say you cannot do, have your show, do your show, be your Mr. Black America, Black Universe, Miss Black Universe, whatever, and still have that trade or still have that degree or something to fall back on. So um, everybody I'm living proof of that because I started college when I started doing pageants. Mm. It didn't throw me behind. I didn't skip a year. I still graduated on time and went on to um, higher education also outside of my undergraduate degree. You know, it's like you have to stay focused because, like I tell people, the spotlight shines brighter off stage. Yes, it does. Because on that stage, we can all be on a certain kind of playing ground, but off stage, what what the rest of the world see you as, that is the reality that we're going to have to live in. That spotlight ain't going to shine up there forever, but if you build up your accolades, your credentials off stage, those things are going to last forever. And can't nobody take those things from you. Amen. Education is a plus, and at this point in time, it is a must. So with that said, Uh, We're going to go to our break. We're going to take this 45-second minute break, and we'll be right back with the chat with the rulers of the universe. I can't wait till I get you on so good looking. Going up so hot just like an oven. And I would burn myself just had to touch it. 
national title holders at such a young age, what were some challenges you faced early on that you would like the up-and-coming entertainers to know and to learn from? Okay. I'll, I, well, I started competing at 19. Um, I started off um, doing newcomer pageants. My first pageant was Miss Duval Newcomer. And um, I basically, I came out of nowhere. Nobody knew who I was or anything like that. And I never really had a desire to be a newcomer. I just felt, I always felt like that was a step that you had to take to get to the next level. It was just like kind of like school. You got to get to the 11th grade to get to the 12th grade. Mm -hmm. And so um, once I got my feet wet, in the newcomer circuit, I had uh, several people to tell me, okay, you don't need to do newcomer pageants, you don't need to do, and, and that pretty much gave me my confirmation to th- what I was feeling in the inside. And I can say a little bit, because wa- I've been very fortunate on um, competing, but I, I, I do feel like sometimes I was, and not many times, but sometimes I wasn't, given what I deserve because people may have thought that I was too young or there was a veteran um, competitor, so they felt like the veteran competitor was more polished or more seasoned, so they, they it, it would be in their favor. Mm-hmm. But it didn't discourage me. It really pushed me because in the inside, I would be like, oh, child, I know she didn't beat me. She didn't beat me, mm-hmm. I, I, and I could tell, but it, but it still pushed me. I didn't stop. There were there were many times that I did pageants and I didn't feel like I got what I deserved, but I never stopped. And I can even say Miss Duval is a prime example because if you really look at my pageant repertoire, or whatever, I really haven't did too many systems like that. Mm-hmm. And I did Miss Duval five years in a row. And there were times that I walked away from that pageant not feeling like I got what I deserved. Mm-hmm. But I kept my I kept my eye on the big picture. I kept mm-hmm. my eye on the prize. I knew that that's what I wanted to be a part of more than anything. And I knew one year it was going to have to happen. And so I get discouraged. So that was, I, I think, like I said, those were sometimes, back then I did feel um, not discriminated, but, well, yeah, I felt discriminated because of my age. Because I was here, there. I'm 20 years old, competing against Raquel Lord and 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 Tanisha Cassadine, people that have had been doing it for 20 years. Right. So I, I I but I but I in my heart I felt like I was just as good as them. And if you you know if I'm speaking to someone that may be listening or maybe kind of having the same thoughts of going through this, your time will come. Your time to shine will come. 
and some some of those same people will be put back in your path. Okay. And you will have your opportunity to you, you will have your opportunity to show yourself, them and the world that you have evolved and you have come into who you are and you are an adult now and you are just as seasoned and polished as them. If that answers the question. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, you did. I'm waiting on camera now. <laughs> I like that. Oh, well, for me, I'm, I'm going to keep it simple because coming up through the ranks from newcomer to where I am now, I've learned six things. Well, I have a saying. There are three don'ts and there are three do's. The three don'ts is or are don't rush, don't prolong, and don't compromise. By that, I mean starting out as a newcomer, I didn't rush myself to a certain level, you know, I didn't rush it, but I didn't prolong it either. I did the newcomer, I got what I need to know, and then I moved on to bigger things. Mm-hmm. Don't compromise, but I, what, I, what I mean by don't compromise is don't compromise yourself, your morals, your integrity, your character for the sage either. I see so many people, there's so many rumors like, well, you have to do this, you have to play this type of game, you have to do that, you have to... No, you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do. Don't compromise yourself because you're going to regret it if things don't go the way that you want them to go in the end. My three do's are do listen, do believe, and do respect. By do listen, I mean listen to the constructive criticism. You have to decipher, but listen to the constructive criticism. If you ask somebody for their opinion, don't be mad when they give it to you. Right. Do believe. Believe in yourself. Everything that I have won and everything that I have done, I did, I did it by believing in me. I didn't and ask anybody to believe in me. Yeah. Because you know, I, 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 I kind of get irritated when I hear so many, especially newcomers, saying, nobody want to give me a chance, nobody believes in me, whatever, whatever. Well, it shouldn't matter who believes in you and who don't. If you believe you can do it, then you are going to do it. Everybody's mm-hmm. dream is not your dream, and you can't get mad because people don't help you along the way. Some people feel like you have to earn it. You know, don't be scared to believe in yourself. Because if you don't believe in you, why are you asking me to? Exactly. And then the last thing is respect. I feel like everybody in our community can stand to come a long way when it comes to respecting each other. And when you respect each other, that means you love each other unconditionally, without limits, without boundaries, as Tommy Ross likes to say. You love each other without limits. Mm-hmm. And when you can respect one another, that means we can agree to disagree on some things. We can understand each other's point of view without having to argue about it or having to think, oh, well, I don't like them because they think this way. You don't have to go through all that. If we respect each other and respect the art and the craft, then we can all get along. Now, I'm not saying everything's supposed to be this big one bubble of harmony, but if we respect each other, it can keep down a lot of the things that goes on in this community. Oh. And that's it. Thank and you I, so very much. Go ahead, I have to say, I have to say that's like, just to add on, I have to say that he was, I was going to say that when he finished talking, um, that's my number one thing. That's not my number one motto, believe yourself. Because that's mm-hmm. what I had, I did always believe in myself. Nobody else believed in myself, in, in me, I always knew that I was capable of doing everything that I've done. So, mm-hmm. and, I, and it, it, it makes me mad when I see people that have all this potential and they don't believe in themselves. 
It's yeah. not being cocky, but you have to, in the inside, you have to know, oh, I got this, or I can do this, or I am just this good, or I'm just, I've always felt like, like when I was 19, 20, I always felt like in my mind, it might not have been true, but in my mind, I felt like I could get on a stage with Alexis Gabrielle Sherrington and Tasha Valentino, and I thought I could get up there with all of them. I may not have been at that level then, mm-hmm. but for me having that mentality, it has gotten me to a point where I can stand up on a stage next to those ladies. Right. Right. And, and for me, that comes a part of you have to be fearless. When in this industry, you have to be fearless. You can't be scared of competition. You can't be scared of the result. You can't be scared of yourself. There are some things that I prepare for in competition, and I always prepare to win, prepare to win, but I also prepare to lose. That's right. I never understood people who say, oh, I just want to make the five, or, oh, I just want to make the 12. Uh First of all, why would you spend your hard-earned money, or however you got it, you got it, hard, whatever, whatever, why would you want to spend your hard-earned money just to lose a pageant? Because at the end of the day, if you're only making a 12, if you're only making a 5, so that means you're preparing to lose, huh? Yeah. So who spends and works hard, work their ass off to lose? Yeah. And I always, even if you're a newcomer and you're going to universe, I always tell people, no, don't go. I tell, well, especially my kids, no, you're not going there to make the 5, because if you're going there to make the 5, that means you're not ready to win. So don't go. Mm-hmm. Do yourself the service of not going somewhere until you're ready to win, until you're ready to wear that crown, until you believe that you're going to. Even though it may seem impossible, if I believe I'm going to do or it, it may then not I'm happen. Do. Or it may or it may not happen right then, because that's why a lot of um, that's a lot of the systems are dying. I had one of um, one of our promoters from Universe. They kind of posed that question to us. Why do we think the numbers are dwindling and things like that? It's because people don't believe in themselves. And like he said, people are afraid of the outcome. Mm-hmm. And we're in 10, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, people didn't care if if it was, okay, you're my sister, we're sisters, okay, we're both going to compete in the pageant. That's right. Oh, you, you're, you're Miss Such and Such? I'm, I'm Miss Such and Such, so we're going to compete for this pageant. It wasn't, oh, um, such and such doing the pageant, so I'm not doing it. No, it's right. like even for me, even for me now, it's like that. I don't care who competes. <laughs> I don't That's care. Right. It mm-hmm. could it could be I, I don't even have to say no names. It could be whoever y'all think is the best out there. I'm going to still pay my entry fee, and they're going to have to just show me. Hello. And, and that's one thing about preparation. It goes a long way. I always truly feel like if you truly 100% prepare, and I don't care who you are, if you truly 100% prepare for a pageant and be serious and do it the right way, any anybody who does that is hard to beat. So mm-hmm. that means we just got to get ready to rumble and see what colors we're going to make on the wall. But yeah, a lot of people, exactly. though, they don't do that, and they be unrealistic about the outcome. Now, you can't go there playing and saying, oh, I'm going to cut this corner, cut this corner, but I'm going to be real, real good in this one category, and then say, I won the pageant. That's not being yeah. realistic. Because I, 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 for one, I don't put anything on stage that I don't think is going to win that category. If I already know it's not going to win that category, in my heart of hearts, it's not going on stage. Yeah, we that's, that's the point. You're supposed to go with whatever you think is the perfect package. Okay, hold on, hold on, Cameron. Hold on, Cameron. We get a little feedback. 
Hold on. Okay, now I don't hear it. Okay, now I don't hear it. But go ahead, camera. Okay, you're supposed to put on stage whatever you think is the perfect package. And if you know that this category is weak or is going to lose or I'm just going to make it by, then why put it on stage? Because I go there with the mindset that the people who I'm competing against are 100% ready. Everybody is going to get a 10 in that category. So what can I do to get a 10 to compete against their 10? You get what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. And to me, okay. that's when you know you're ready for a pageant. When when you're excited about that category and when you think it's going to win, then that's when you know it's time to put it on stage. Otherwise, don't bring it. Or it, or when you know your, or when you know your strengths and your weaknesses as, as well. Because honestly, I mean, for black, I tell people for like for Black Universe, I didn't know what I was doing for talent. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. I I had an idea. I I got a, I got my my talent dress made, but I did not know. I just really kind of prayed about it, and, you know, and let it flow like it was gonna flow. And I whatever song I felt at that moment was the song that I needed to do. That's mm-hmm. what I did. Everybody can't do that. Yeah. Just like I had. Just like for me, one of my weaknesses was question and answer. Not because I'm not intelligent. It was because, well, back to answer your second part of your question, I'm shy, believe it or not, contrary to what people may believe. But I am a shy person. Now, mm-hmm. if I'm, um, if I may have a little, you know, adult beverage or something, it relaxes me, and I don't think about people. But if right. I'm sober and I'm around and I'm around a lot of um, my own people. Mm-hmm. It kind of I, I get I get a little nervous, and uh, if if it's not if it's not music going on, like if I'm in a club, that's different. But like you know, like registrations and things, I'm I'm nervous. And mm-hmm. even like with this interview right here, I probably won't ever listen to it because I don't like the I don't like the sound of my voice. I don't like to hear my <laughs> own voice. It's, it just it's weird to me. So mm-hmm. that's one thing people may not know about me, but. Um, you have to know your strengths and your weaknesses and passions, and sometimes you can play off of that. Right. Um, I had to practice question and answer. For a, for an entire year, I would go through all of these question and answer drills, and it helped me. Now, I, I that's probably almost would be one of my favorite categories now because I know what I had to correct was, learning how to word things and mm-hmm. learning how to simplify things instead of going on and on and on. I had to learn how to get my point across and get off the microphone because I like to explain myself. I like to give a vivid answer. I like you to be able to visualize what I'm saying, and that's mm-hmm. not always good. And um, I don't know how we got on the subject of all this, but – when it comes to, like I said, when it comes to competition, we got to break out of being afraid to compete against one another. The, the veterans that came before us, they all competed against one another. You can go and you can go watch pageants where you have Naisha Dupree, Tiffany August, Marissa, Raquel, uh, Alexis Gabrielle, Basha, you know, all mm-hmm. of that, Tommy Ross, all of these great names. You can go look at tapes and look at, well, they all competed against one another. Miss National, Miss Florida, um, exactly. you know, all those pageants, baby. I mean, they're competing against one another. 
You know, exactly, and, the and they're all the great. They are they are the greats of our community. They are they're, they're the legends. Mm-hmm. And if you want to get better, if you want to better yourself and get to the next level, if you compete against each other, you're only going to get better. And one thing I can I can credit like a lot of the girls that live in Miami, they will compete against one another. They will yeah. travel. They will travel to a pageant and compete against each other. They probably mm-hmm. all, they will come and probably all came in the same car and will still and compete against each other. Mm-hmm. And whoever win, they win. Whoever get first, whatever. All right, and we on the way back home. We still right. we still still no brother. And that's how it's supposed to be. Not okay. Well, this, my sister doing this pageant, so I'm not gonna do it. No, sister, good luck to you. Okay, we go both do this, and whoever win, they win. It's only gonna better you. It's okay. only and, and and I can say I can say for myself, one of those people for me was my my then what still is in a sense, but my Florida rival was Kyla Santi, mm-hmm. or is Kyla Santi, and she. It started from day one for me because when I came out and started competing, I came out, of, like I said, I came out of nowhere, and I got first runner-up, and she won. And so it automatically started this competition, but we never, it was never a time where we said, well, I'm girl, I'm going to do this session where I'm going to sit out. No, we continued to compete against one another, and it pushed me, and it pushed her, and it pushed me, and it pushed her, and look, we both, look where we're at now. Yeah, she called so me like universe. You got to do it. Yeah, whether it's your okay. sister or not, you have to. You you got to compete against one another to get better. And I, I definitely uh, agree with you know the both of you. You you really just have to. If it's something that you want to do, you go after it and um, not worry about you know because everybody has dreams. And of course, you your sister, your brother, your cousin, whoever, everybody's gonna may sometimes have the same dream, especially in pageantry. You may want to be black universe. They want may want to be black universe. But, you know, it's exactly. time out for the sitting out and not then we both gonna go for the gusto and whoever wins wins and you know, who doesn't we'll help them. You know, I would say that we'll help them along the way. Most definitely, most definitely. Now, I was um you guys may have kinda of answered this, but I'm still gonna ask the question. Um, coming into the competition, Black Universe, both of you had many people that were for you as well as against you. As with any competitor. So we're not singling you guys out. As every competitor has people that were for them and, for, and, and that were against them, or just didn't necessarily want to see them win. What were your What were your feelings toward the beginning of the competition, and what were your feelings immediately after? I'll start there, and then I have a second. I can go first. You okay. go first. It's right on top of my head. Okay, go ahead, Giselle. I can say that. If there was someone that didn't want me to win the pageant or if there was, like, some people against me, I never do it. Mm-hmm. Never. If, I, the, the one, I, if I've never felt the love from my community, mm-hmm. getting ready for MBU mm-hmm. was the time that I, I felt it. I, mm-hmm. I felt so loved. I felt love getting ready for the pageant, which there were times where I felt like I wasn't going to do the pageant anymore because – a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't know that before the pageant, I went. I was in the hospital twice, mm-hmm. and um, one time I had pneumonia, and the second time 
my knee completely went out of place, and that was right before the pageant. And they put me on a knee brace and crutches. I was I wasn't supposed to walk on my leg at all. My my leg looked like it. My my knee looked like it was pregnant. Mm. The whole entire the whole entire weekend of the pageant, I I had I took it off because I I had to do the pageant. Like I I wasn't gonna let that stop me. Mm-hmm. And it was like the energy, the energy and the love from everybody. It pushed me through that. Even when I look at my talent, I don't know how I got through that because my knee was so swollen. Right. And, um, and it was just like even just the entire weekend from people just coming up to me. It was like every time I hit the stage, and I'm talking about from prelim night to final night, every time I hit the stage, the audience made me feel like they wanted to see me. Mm-hmm. And it was a feeling like no other. Like even even like like right now, I could probably put up a picture on Facebook and probably get like fifty to a hundred likes. When I was mm-hmm. getting ready for the pageant, if I put up a picture, I was in the fours and fives and six hundred. Right. <laughs> and that that let me know that the people were really just they 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 were behind me. And after I won the pageant, I felt the same thing. I felt I felt. I felt um, a sense of not important, mm-hmm. but um, I, I felt like I it was I was put there for something. It was something that the people it was that was that's been missing, and I must have it. And mm-hmm. whatever it is that I'm doing, I just need to continue to do it. I don't do anything particular. I just I'm just myself. But that's how I felt when Cam, even when Cam and I were performing at the Monday Night Show, it was like it was like a dream just to see so many people happy for you, right? And they were they were genuinely genuinely happy for the both of us. I can I can say up until just a week ago, not even a week ago, maybe five days ago, was the first time I felt some type of negativity since I won the pageant. Mm. That's the first time, it, and I've never felt anything like it before, like the the love. And so, in saying that, the good has completely, even even with some different personal things that happened after the pageant. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, honestly, and I don't even want to get into that, but after that that happening to me, I really wanted to give up then. Mm-hmm. I, the, the, at that point. I had called Cam and I told him, I said, you know what, I think I'm gonna give I'm gonna get the crown back. Because I didn't know I didn't know how I was going to be able to be anybody, miss this, miss that, and then especially be Miss Black Universe and right. what was going on, what happened. Mm-hmm. I I but but the love, the love from everybody, it just it pulled me through all of that. And it's still pulling me through and I and I and I pressed on like nothing happened. So that's my feeling of of the pageant. I I just I, I haven't had that before. I just it's just a lot of love and very small, small little tiny negative people. <laughs> okay. And Cam, what what were your feelings toward the beginning of the competition and immediately after? Um, I think my stories were very slightly from Giselle's. Um. Going into the pageant, like for the, the story that Giselle just told, for me that love and all of that, it would that happened when I won Black America. Like everybody knew that was my big dream, whatever, whatever. Um, for this pageant, it was more so for me. 
Like, mm-hmm. I needed to cap my career off. I needed to prove something to myself. So I had to, you, you already know, I had to stop getting on Facebook, all of these things. I had to take so many precautions when I was getting ready for the pageant just to stay focused because there was a lot of negativity going around as far as it was surrounding my name personally and mm-hmm. my personal life. And so, you know, I had to take extra measurements to kind of block everything out and focus on what I was trying to do for me. Mm-hmm. And so I went in at the, begun, the beginning of the competition just focused, really. I had to tune everybody and everything out. Um, even when we was in the dressing room, um, I don't even know if the fellas know, but the reason why I did move out of the dressing room with everybody else was so I can maintain that focus. I just didn't want to be distracted by anything that could possibly happen, whether it was positive or negative. But the turning point of the pageant where I felt comfortable, where I felt kind of like destined, was when we were getting ready to walk out for presentation. And in the back, you, the, the guys, the males and the females, we're on two totally opposite sides of the stage. So we don't see each other getting ready, and we don't see necessarily who we're going to walk with. But yeah. during the rehearsals, during the, the weekend, me and Giselle, we were walking with, two different people. Like, we, up until that moment, we were walking with somebody else. We didn't know we was about to walk together. Mm-hmm. And so it happened that the turning point was when I walked on the side of the stage, and then they was like, you're up. And then I looked up across, and then I saw Giselle. And then I was like, what? This is a mistake. And then they was like, no, it's not. Y'all go. And then they called our name out. And then when I walked on stage, like, that applause, that welcoming that we got, that's when it set me in a whole love phase of, okay, you know, I'm feeling it now. You get what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Mm-hmm. And by the end of the night, I just kept that momentum of doing what I had to do. And then when talent went the way I wanted to go, because my goal was before I ended my career, I never got, I've never been bad at talent, but I never got a, that standing ovation, kind of beat the building down um, personally right. that I wanted to get. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of my goals with talents. And when that happened, too, I was satisfied personally. Because to me, I had did everything that I wanted to do. You know, everything was executed the way that I wanted to be executed, minus one thing. But, you know, everything went the way I wanted to do. So by the end of the night, I was kind of like, well, Lord, is in your hands. If I won, I won. If I didn't, I didn't. But I'm happy. Right. So that was kind of my progression from the beginning of the night to the end of the night. Now, up until this point, I can say... Whether I experience love from everybody or not, there's a respect that is there. Mm-hmm. Like no Most matter definitely. if you like it or you don't, there's a certain respect that is there in which I'm big on respect. You don't have mm-hmm. to like me or love me. But if we can respect each other and our craft and what we do, then I'm fine. And I think that is the biggest difference that I've seen in for as being Mr. Black Universe up until this, res- this point. The respect is huge. And, you know, it's something that I worked for my entire career, too, because a lot of people would say, oh, you had it easy, you don't know what it's like to lose, but I do, you know. Yeah, and my career was short. I did a lot of things in my short career. However, just because you win all these pageants, that don't mean your peers respect you. That's correct. That's and right. for me, I worked to acquire the respect of my peers and my colleagues and those who I work with. That was important mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like now I finally got that. Okay. Well, good. So different, different experiences, but at the end of the day, you know, it looks like you guys, you know, got the love that you so deserve. And whether that love is just genuine love or whether that love is respect, at the end of the day, it's some some um, form of love. So, great responses. 
Now, still on the, on the track of universe, uh, even though you guys are only three months into your reign and you have so much to learn about not only yourself, the system, and the reign, what advice would you give to anyone desiring to become Mr. and Miss Black Universe in the future? And we're strictly talking about the universe. We ain't talking about Miss Huckabuck over there and Mr. This Pat. We're talking about what I'm advice, you, even though you guys are only three months in, so far what advice would you give? Because you've competed in one. What advice would you give to anyone desiring to become universe in the, in the near future or future period? I can say this. When I was preparing for the pageant last year, uh, the one thing that stuck with me was um, the one piece of advice that stuck with me was Kyla. Kyla came to me and she said, take lots of pictures. And I'm not talking about going to a photographer and taking pictures. When you're out and about and you're socializing with people, when you're on show, when you're in the dressing room, just take lots of pictures pictures because that is how you gain a fan base. That's how people are allowed to see who you are and what you are about. Because mm-hmm. sometimes people come in the pageant and they, they're just good that night. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then when they get the crown, they're no good because mm-hmm. some of them don't do this too often. Right. I would say if you're not, if you are one of those people that don't entertain regularly, and I'm saying same for the girls, but this can go for the boys too. As if you can get on that stage, get on it as often as possible. Practice is perfect. Take pictures so we can see you. What you have to realize is every judge, every owner, every former. We all get on social media, be it Facebook, be it Instagram, whatever. People seem to think that these judges just pop up out of nowhere and they just haven't been around all year. They watch. Mm-hmm. So you need to you need to take this this year, this opportunity. This is your time to broadcast and show who you are and what you can do. And if you're crowned the next Mr. and Ms. Black Universe, this is what you can give give to them. They're going to they're gonna look at that, and that can help you. That kind of thing, having a fan base will really help you out a lot. And, Most definitely um, have Black Universe. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, definitely. So so take, take lots, of, lots of pictures, just candid pictures, and take some um, professional pictures. Shout out to Tony Rock Photography. And... Um, <laughs> I um, would say when you're out and about and you're tipping that pageant, you need to already think that you're Miss Black Universe. You need to be okay. dressed like you're Mr. or Miss Black Universe. Mm-hmm. Not just halfway doing it. You need to look the part. You need to raise eyebrows. You People need to look at you and say, oh, I can see him or her being the next ruler. That's mm-hmm. important as well. There's so many different things that you can that you can do to put yourself out there, broadcast yourself, practice on question and answer, um, because that that can be a tiebreaker sometimes. That could be that could make or break you. Make sure yeah. a lot of times you have people that are so good in pageants, and then when they get down to the question, they throw it out the window. But sometimes people don't believe that they can practice question, but you really can. 
I sat and I watched the last probably 10, 12 Miss Black Universe pageants, and I listened to the boy question and the girl question, and I listened to everyone's response. And I listen, and then I would I would listen to the person who won question and answer, and I would listen to their response. And but before I would do that, I would say my own answer first, and then press play and listen to what the person who won question and answer had to say. Mm-hmm. And and that was what I did. That was how I helped myself along with being on the phone with Rick Finn and Gerard, with them, you know, drilling me and drilling me. But it helped. So that 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 would be my advice. Okay. Cameron? Um, my advice, I, I guess I keep it simple. Mine is just be ready. Um, when, you're, when you want to be the ruler of the universe, you have to understand what that means. And for me, it means you're supposed to be the essence of what perfection is. Now, we're not perfect by any means, but that's what the goal is, to strive for that perfection, to be the best-looking couple in the room, to be the best that you can be on stage, to do the best and be the best at night. Because if you call yourself the overseer of the universe, then you should be the one who people are looking to learn from. And I'm not saying that's going to happen overnight, but that's the goal, to be ready for everything that comes along with it. You know, the rain, the look of it all, the doing what you got to do as far as on stage, off stage, the business, knowing what you have to do to get out there in community, knowing what goal you're headed in, because this is a different side over here. It's a very different story. Yes, we get to have a whole lot of fun, but they do expect a lot, and you have to be ready for that and can't get mad when they expect a lot from you because you are the ruler, and this is what you signed up for. Good, good, good. I hope those uh, those out there are taking note because uh, uh, you guys, I mean, yeah, you, you, you guys hit on some good points. Um, and, and we'll go from that to this. Uh, in your community, uh, we hold – oh, I'm sorry, I said in, in your community. In our community, because I'm a part of the community. In our community, we hold title holders to such high expectations. What should your com- what should your community expect from the both of you during this range? Oh, well, for me, um, Expect me to be just drop that gorgeous every time you see me. I mean, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But um, um, you can expect from me what I got, what what inspired me to want to be Miss Black Universe. Every you know, everyone is different. You have some people like when I, as far as like me and Cam. Cam is more of the communicator. He's more of the the people that he can do the business side. I can do the business side, but I don't like to. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I like to entertain. That is my that is my thing. I like to look nice. I like to dress nice. I like to perform. I like to please people when mm-hmm. it comes to entertaining. Mm-hmm. And what is you know, in Marissa watching Marissa and Alexis and Aja, I had the three of them as an example and Antoinette. Mm-hmm. I had all four of them as an example for me. And when I, every time I saw Marissa, whether it was on stage or walking around a pageant or something, you had to look at her. Yeah. It was no, it didn't matter who else hit the stage. No one else would captivate the stage like that. The same with Alexis. You know, it, and that's what made me say, I want to be Miss Black Universe. So that's what you can expect from me. When I hit the stage, 
I want to make an impact with my image because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about in a sense. The look, the, 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 a whole complete polished look. So that's what I want to give you, a complete polished look, just being elegant and just beautiful. <laughs> okay, and Cameron? I, I kind of agree with my wife. Like, we, we, we're going to give you that balance. She's going to give you that glamour, that elegance, that entertainment. Now, mind you, you know I ain't half bad looking myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to give you that appeal that I usually give. But, you know, my aim is to broaden the horizons of the system as far as trying to get into mainstream appearances, uh, the business aspects of it, and things like that. But as a couple, we're going to give you that perfect balance between us, that, that perfect couple. Um and for me personally, just expect my best. I'm going to put my all, my best into it. And, you know, I can't do nothing more than my best, than my personal best. And because this is my last, this is the career ender, I'm trying to go out with a bang. So you okay. just expect a great thing. Now, how important is it to have he, a good He says it's the end for him. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> trust me. Trust me, it's the end. Uh, how <laughs> how important uh, is it? How important, guys, is it to have a good relationship with your king or queen? Ooh, Ooh. baby, baby. Let me tell you the difference between me and Cam too. See, Cam, he he not he knows how to write all the poetry and the spoken word, and he can just like talk all. Professional, off the top of his head, I have to just be me myself. <laughs> um, when it comes to the king and queen, you have to have a rapport with each other, and mm-hmm. it's oh my gosh, as it will be just hectic. And when he and I won, it wasn't a. I don't think we went through a. Well, how do you? I'm just a. Uh, well, how long you been doing this? Uh, like it was just like, okay, we we stuck together. You go find out my flaws. I'm gonna find out your flaws, and we go out to just keep it going. Mm-hmm. That's right. basically that's basically how it is, and you have no uh, you have no other choice. It's just you no. Know, it's like when you at, when you're at work, your boss is your boss, and you can't do anything about it. So you have to. It's a lot of things I don't like about my boss. And I have to say it. I hope, and she probably, she probably gonna hear this, and she probably gonna laugh at it. But it's a lot of things I don't like about. It's a lot of things I don't like about Darcel. Well, that's my boss, and I have to like it, mm-hmm. or make a way around yeah, it to it's, make it work. Yeah, it's very important that you have like a genuine friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like with, with your king, especially with these national titles, where the king and queen are the system. Mm-hmm. You have to have, like, that rapport, like Giselle said. And we didn't go through a phase where it was kind of, like, awkward. Luckily, me and Giselle, we clicked. We clicked with mm-hmm. each other. Like, our birthdays are four days apart. And we just really clicked. We're alike, but we're, like, different in many ways. And that balance each other out. You get what I'm saying? It really, right. We really do balance each other out. And so we have that genuine friendship where we look and we expect to see each other flaws. We expect to see each other imperfections. But we don't judge them. We kind of welcome them like, okay, I'll be your ear, I'll be your shoulder, you can be the same for me, and we got to stick together too. Like one right. thing that you're not going to see is us divided, period. 
Mm-hmm. You're not going to see that, and I think that's important. Like a true unless king talking, and a true unless queen, I'm talking to a boy. you never show a person <laughs> their imperfections of that couple. You get what I'm saying? Because right. many people can take those things and use it against you, and there's no way that you can thrive together if you're separated and divided. Because then your job becomes a task instead of becoming something that you love to do. I, I think that um, for for me with kings and queens. You know, I'll put it. I'll put Barack Obama and Michelle. You know, I'll, I'll put them as the example, um, and just with any, you know, any husband and wife. But I'll you put them as Bobby, you know, whichever one. Or, or I'll, put, I'll put them as the example, and I'll say this: that uh, Michelle is always going to make sure that Barack looks good at some point. Barack is going to make sure that his 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 wife, his counterpart, his you know his ace or whatever, his wife is going to he's going to make sure that she is up to par and she looks good. And they're always going to have a working relationship. And what I don't like to see, and I'm glad that you guys are together and we're paired together than the other, but I, what I don't like to see is one trying to outdo the other when it comes. Down. You guys are representing the same brand. You 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 guys are are in the same shoes. You see what I'm saying? You're riding the same train. You're in the same damn seat. So what we, what, what, what the king queen have to do is ride along together. And like Giselle said, you know, I point out, you know, your imperfections, the things that you could probably improve on, and then Cameron can turn around and do the very same thing with, with you. That's the type of working yeah. relationship that you have to have as a king and queen. Yeah, because I've always, I, I, like I told Cam from the beginning, if you, if, if I look bad, then we both look bad. If you look bad, then we both look bad. It can't be one look good and one, and then the other one don't. I right. mean, because they, at the end of the day, they're going to say, uh. So, right. we have, right. so we look, yeah. That's, and then that's, on top of that, the reflection is the system. So it goes from, oh, Mr. Black, Mr. Black Universe with the mess. Mrs. Black Universe, she looked good, or vice versa, she looked mad, she looked good, and then it then it falls on the reflection of the system. So people always have to, you know, as a king and queen, you are in big shoes. You know, you you hold, you are the ambassadors of the system. So and you have the weight, especially with Black Universe being around for twenty plus years, you have the weight of the system on your shoulders. But at the same token, you have formers and you have the board members who are willing to work alongside you, just just as long as you are putting in the work and you, you know what I'm saying, you're open to, like Cameron said earlier, open to that constructive criticism and you take it all in. Yeah. So I do have one last question. Um, the question reads, top, bottom, <laughs> or verse? <laughs> it's, it's a trick question. It's a trick question. I was just playing. Um, I was just a little, you know, just wanted to end it with a little funny um, funny note, but I do want to thank the both of sure everybody out there cackling at that. I'm sure they are. <laughs> I'm sure they are. But no, um, I, I want I want to thank the both of you again for spending just a little time um, with me on today um, to know a little bit more about the both of you and to get your perspective on certain topics as well. Um, I really wish the wish you both the very best during your reign, and may God bless both of you richly. Thank, thank you. you You're me. welcome.
thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you once again for always staying in tune and tuned to the Talk with Mike and Friends. I definitely enjoy today's uh, conversation, today's chit-chat with the rulers, Mr. Cameron Black and Ms. Giselle Barbier-Ariel. Um, I hope that you left inspired. I hope that you left um, wanting more. And I hope that you left uh, with a little, knowing a little bit more about Giselle as well as Cameron, okay? Because I know that I did. Even though I've known them for so, such a long time, I left knowing just a little bit more about the two of them. And I also want to pinpoint or piggyback on what they actually talked about earlier in regards to marketing yourself. Make sure if you aspire to be the next Mr. or Miss Black Universe that you are out there, you're putting yourself out there, you're marketing yourself prior to the competition, prior to the even, to, even the preliminary, because we want to know who you are. So market yourself. Market your brand. Sell your brand. That's what you do. You know, so definitely take heed to that piece of advice because it was very valuable and it is going to be very useful in your career as a male lead or a female uh, entertainer or female impersonator. Okay? So for those of you that would like to compete for Black Universe this year, make sure that you go out and you compete for the preliminaries that they'll have on their Facebook page in the coming months. Okay? All right. And just another um, quick, quick uh, announcement, um, this week we have two shows, okay? So this particular show today, which is the Talk um, talk with Mike and Friends, the Chit Chat with the Rulers, and then on Thursday, January 23rd, we actually will have our live show. We will have our part two of the Real, Raw, Uncut, and Dirty, and All in Your Closet type-ish episode. So that's going to be um, very, very big, and just so you know, I'm putting the disclaimer out there now. We're only going to be able to accept the first 50 callers, okay? The first 50 callers will be able to actually call in, listen, and then toward the end of the actual show, we will open it up for the last 15 to 20 minutes and actually take questions um, from our listeners, okay? So we're going to do all that on Thursday, so just stay tuned to the uh, Talk with Micah uh, Facebook page. Um, as well as Micah Pisslore, my personal page. I'll have the information there as well, okay? And since we're going to actually have a quote of the week on Thursday, I'll just do a quote of the day, okay? So I'm going to do a quote of the day. And the quote of the day is, some people want to hold you down, support you, and some people want to hold you down, slow your progress. Know the difference. I'll say it one more time. Some people want to hold you down, support you, and some people want to hold you down, slow your progress. Know the difference. Until next time, be blessed, everyone. <laughs>